0: my goodness, does he really hate the little red hen? I've never seen someone call a a, a bird from a folktale a graceless twit or feel the need to say that. <laughs> what? You, you know, that might
1: be uh, an overreaction right there.
0: Welcome to the Wikipedia podcast. The Wikipedia podcast is brought to you by Enemies Within the Church. If you haven't watched the film yet, go on to enemieswithinthechurch.com and watch it. What are you doing? Go watch it. It's good information. It's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about something very interesting. But before we get to that, as always, my name is Kyle and joined uh, across the... Uh, the internet <laughs> is my co-host Sam.
1: How are you doing? Ah, uh, doing well. You know, it, it is a long journey to be able to make it clear across the country like this through the internet. Mm. Um, it, it really is just a a long and strenuous journey to be able to do that. Um,
0: you know, really exhausting.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you know, isn't isn't technology amazing though, Kyle? With how that
0: works, it it really is. And for as much problem as technology brings, it also brings opportunity. For as much evil as there is in this world, there's, you know, virtual stuff doesn't replace the real world, but, man, we have a lot of advantages that persecuted Christians throughout the centuries could have only dreamed of. So, we gotta take advantage of it. while we have it. Uh... (laughs) But that that aside, Sam, I want to tell you a story one one time we did uh, we did woke story time yeah th- th- this time we're gonna do kind of like anti-woke story time Ooh. except what happens here is it's a good story that pretty much preaches against a lot of elements of wokeness that makes a certain woke organization bristle to the point where they had to make an article about it. (laughs) And Unlike what you might think, this wasn't even in 2022, 2021. This was back in 2018. And it is just silly. But we we thought that the, the silliness of it was really informative to examine... Uh, the sort of things that they despise examine the the ways that they kind of twist twist your expectations again we could have almost put this in the uh how the book manipulate series yeah we could have but because it's just a really an example of it but it just at every point through it it just misses the misses the misses the mark so Sam, what are we going to be talking about? What is the article, and and what is what is the story that it covers? Well, this article is
1: titled "That Little Red Hen Was a Pharisee," and it's by Ger- Jared Wilson, um, who is a, a you know a noted author. He has tons, dozens of of articles on the Gospel Coalition. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, this really isn't about Jared Wilson so much as it is an example of really just typical woke stuff and, and clear back in 2018. But, but the story that we're going to be looking at is that story of the little red hen who Jared Wilson thinks
0: is simply a Pharisee. Now uh, he thinks, he thinks more than that. He goes, <laughs> he really doesn't like the little red head.
1: No, no, he does not like the little red hen at all. Um, at all. And th- this is, you know, this is kind of an interesting thing because I think it really goes into the idea uh, of the incredible the, the incredible um, overreaction of of, of of woke people, uh, you know. And I think this is an important one to kind of really understand that it's it's not just a lot of times that they're wrong, but a lot of times that they just really crazy overreact. Um but this was actually a what new a story to me, so I, I'm
0: excited to hear this story. <laughs> I can't. So, I mean, we talked about this before we actually started recording. I can't believe that you haven't heard of the story of the little red hen. Yeah, I, I I'm, loved I'm kind of surprised. It growing well. up, it was one of my favorite stories. Uh, it, it's v- now I guess I don't know if its uh, origins are American, but it's very that like American folk tale a uh, little little quick lesson uh you know that you you tell your kids to to get a truth across and the truth is so basic and i mean it's not even just like a general concept either i mean it, you can attach it to a very specific bible verse as well uh but the story right. again it's a little red hen so let's quickly quickly run down the story so uh one day you have a little red hen out in the field. She finds a grain of wheat. Uh and she goes, you know, she goes to plant the wheat. And she asks who will you know, who's going to help her plant it? Uh not I says the duck, not I says the cat, not I says the dog. Uh then I will says the little red hen. Uh she plants the wheat. The wheat grows The hen notes it. The wheat is ripe. Uh, Who will help me cut the wheat? Not I, says the duck. Not I, says the cat. Not I, says the dog. Uh, Then it's you know it continues on. Who's going to thresh the wheat? The duck, cat, dog. None of them will help. Uh, Who's going to uh, bake it? Who's going to you know it comes to the comes to then the climax is. After all these steps of the process of taking uh, a plant, planting it, growing it, harvesting it, processing it, baking it, all of this labor, and these uh, other animals refusing to help, the hen, once the bread is done, says, and who will help me eat it? Uh. What, what's the what's the response from the the duck, the cat, and the dog? They're they're saying, "Oh, yeah, they're they're in." I me. you know I'll I'll help you eat it. Me too. Me too. Um, and the hen says, "No, I will." <laughs> That's right. And she That's eats right. it. Now, in, in some of the different versions, I like the one the 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 version that when I was a kid, uh, which is she uh, grinds up the bread. And uses it to feed her her chicks. I think that has a little bit more impact. Uh, but the point, is, like, so Sam, you—I mean—you had never heard this story before. No. What is the point of the story?
1: Well, the the point of the story is actually very biblical um, because it, you can find a, a right in scripture where the Apostle Paul tells the church, you know if you don't work, you're not going to eat. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of the story. Um, and it's, it's really promoting a a work ethic. It's promoting Mm -hmm. a a value of, of work in, in time. It's promoting Mm -hmm. the idea that, uh, that you have to earn special treats. You have to Mm -hmm. earn special things. Uh, it's, it's not just, one of those things of, hey, I can decline it, take out all responsibility, and enjoy the fruit of the labor. Um, yep. It's 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 really just you know that simple idea. You know, even in discipleship in Second uh, Timothy two, the Apostle Paul goes and says uh, the hardworking farmer is the fir- it eats of the first fruits. I this is really all throughout Scripture. It's not just yeah. in one random verse. It's it's really all throughout Scripture this principle. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't mean to bounce off that and expand on it further. It's an agricultural analogy. Uh, God loves agricultural analogies because it's something that we can understand. Even even if we're not a farmer, we can understand it because, well, okay, I guess some of the modern um, progressives don't understand how growing food works, but uh we can all relate to this that it takes effort to grow a plant. To process it, to turn it into food, and then to eat—that's what it takes to live, to survive. Um, And this, you know, this is such a good story, a good lesson to teach the kids. And it's good, it's good because unlike a lot of like um, more complex stories that then have a a moral attached to them, but it's kind of an, an undercurrent or you know might be a little bit more explicit but it's still part of a story. Mm-hmm. This is really just a very simple and creative way to teach a very simple straightforward biblical truth. You don't right. work, you don't eat. Simple. Uh and again, Jared has a problem with this. And so to to set up some of the context, uh he starts with immediately jumping into uh well i'll read the first line just to set it up can i tell you that i hate the folk tale of the little red head? i remember it from my childhood and remember coming across it in little storybooks when my kids were little and i always skipped it i just don't like it i know the morals it hopes to teach are good ones and i emphasize that just because he's, he's kind of softening this he's saying i know mm-hmm. the moral that it hopes to teach, not that it does teach that it hopes to teach, uh, are good ones against laziness, for work, and for cooperation. Uh,
1: That's not necessarily exactly what it's trying to teach you, and those things are in there.
0: No, exactly. It's really teaching Uh, an
1: economic principle.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it teaches an economic principle. I think you could go even beyond just an economic principle. Uh, kind of even more fundamental than strictly, uh, economic principle because it's such a core, um, well, well, if you notice principle that makes economics work, it's a core principle that makes society work. He
1: he's, he's not bringing up, um, ownership or private property. He's not bringing up those kind of things. But yeah, he's bringing up cooperation, which is interesting because I wouldn't even have thought that this is about cooperation a- at all. It's teaching... No. Like I'm going... I, I, in fact, I, I it's teaching that if you don't work, you don't eat, which sure, it'd be nice if they cooperated with the little red hen. That's fine. But then it wouldn't have been... But there's no positive attribute of cooperation that it's teaching. If anything, yeah. it, it'd just be a negative of why you need to cooperate, but...
0: But that's not, he's, I mean,
1: th- this is a side, side, side yeah, lesson, I think, in this. He,
0: he's heavily reading into it. Like, he, he's re- he's doing these mental gymnastics of, well, is it teaching this complex lesson about what if the dog and the cat had mm-hmm. come alongside and helped her? And then then they, they would have got to eat, too. So it's saying that, co-op- no, like, It's for kids. It's super simple. It's super basic. And it was wielded by parents trying to teach their children, you know, you need to work. Right. Uh, And not even just, just, just work, but it's through the, the, your labors that you eat. It's through your labors of production that you get to to eat and then you uh, what do you do you apply that to society and then you get the basic of societal structure and economics as well because then it's not just you produce a you know grain and you turn it into bread and you eat now it's you might produce grain and sell it to someone and then you use that money to buy food they now have the food themselves and then it creates the you know it creates the structure upon which societies can exist and economy can actually grow uh so it's so fundamental right and paul again paul was addressing that a breakdown of that but but let's continue on so he he's already he's massaged his misunderstandings into this And he started off with how much he doesn't like it. But after he recaps the story, he says this and like people accuse us uh, of being, Oh, you're just these, these grumpy people. You just don't like things You're just, you're all, you're, you're being aggressive, all this stuff. At least we don't do this to an imaginary head. Uh, (laughs) You know, when you put it that way, Kyle. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's so silly how hard he has to attack this hen. Uh, What a graceless twit that hen is. I would like to rewrite the story so that it ends like this. She made the bread, and she made and baked the bread. Then she said, who will eat this bread? Oh, I will, said the duck. Oh, I, and I, said the cat. And I will, said the dog. Come on in, said the little red hen. We can eat together. And they did. Sure, I was trying to get as uh, winsome as I could. Um, and then, and then and he has to attack people that like the story. He has so, to attack, and this is such like a common woke thing, but he has to attack people that would see the true meaning of the story by then going, of course, that doesn't work. If you're wanting to teach children, if they don't work and don't help, they shouldn't expect to enjoy the fruits of someone else's labor. Now, but it does work if you want to teach children that the world is full of people who don't deserve their charity or help, but that we should give it to them gladly. And he- But this isn't about charity. Like, I get, he's already pulled a huge bait and switch here.
1: Well, well, remember, he d- his criticism wasn't that it uh, was teaching wrong principles in the beginning when he tried to soften it. He, his supposedly. criticism, uh, yes, yeah, supposedly, and, and this is actually what outs him, um, as it is really where his worldview is. His criticism was that it wasn't effective in teaching these good principles of not being lazy, of working, and cooperation are the three things that he specifically stated. Now, if you go and you look at his ending to this take on the little red hen, it it would actually teach the opposite. It would teach that you're being rewarded for being lazy, that you're being rewarded for not working, and that you're being rewarded for not cooperating. And so ultimately- (laughs) his criticism, um, was insincere Mm -hmm. or his solution is incompetent. And and I think, you know, just to go on a little bit of a rabbit trail, not, not too far, but I think this is important for people to understand because I, we get criticized a lot for going and calling people out into saying that, you know, they're, they're doing something, uh, evil that they're, Uh, that they're doing something wicked, that they're saying something. And a lot of times people come back at us and they try to say, well, you're, you're misunderstanding. You can go in in, and listen to our podcast on uh, woke, manipulating, uh, giving the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and, And that really explains a lot of that. But what people don't understand is that there's only two options here with Jared Wilson, either he's incompetent he's dumb and that's in his solution or he's evil and promoting something wicked yeah but you can't have it any other way
0: you 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 really can't he's either in it's either ignorance or it's uh insidious right there you go there's some alliteration we were talking about alliteration earlier uh
1: but but I think that's really important for people to understand, because a lot of times people think that when you go and you call someone evil, that you're being rude and mean in in something like this, or saying that they're being insidious, that you're being rude and mean. But I think it's more rude and more mean to assume that the person's stupid. That, I mean, that's just me. I tend not to walk into a room and think that people are dumb, especially if you have a writing yeah. platform.
0: And, hey, what are you doing that technically you're giving him the benefit of the doubt? You're saying, right. I don't know if he's, if you know, he's doing this on purpose or he's just complete, completely ignorant. He's, he's dumb. He does not understand what's going on. Um, I don't think that he's just being, you know, incompetent or ignorant here. Because now he does something that's a huge pet peeve of mine. Absolute massive pet peeve, which is, and this is important to know, everyone. uh, There's a modern writing style that's really problematic. And it's, I call it the blog style, because I, I really saw it kind of come to prominence in blogs. But unfortunately, now modern journalism has taken it over. And frankly, the vast majority of journalistic articles you see are written this way as well. Which, mm-hmm. rather than starting with an introduction that introduces your thesis, and that thesis acts as the point that you are going to defend, so it is an objective standard, even if you know, you're not objective. It's just saying that in the article, the confines of the article, is an objective standard that you can point back to as a reader and say, is his defense adequate to establish that point? And you might go, well, wait, this, you know, this is an academic paper, but that's the same kind of style that you do in anything, whether it was, you know, I remember learning that in junior high for doing uh, like research papers. But then, oh, look, the same thing comes up in public speaking class. Oh, look, the same thing comes up here in, uh, you know, I went to a private Christian school. Same, same coming up here in Bible class. You know, whenever you're trying to present truth, you have to have an, a, a key, a key to understanding it. It has to be laid out, clear, and objective. That's what a thesis is. He doesn't have right. that. So what he does is he ta- rants about the little red hen, and then suddenly he's about to switch gears. Now, that again, that's why I don't think he's being ignorant. Right. Uh, because... He does this whole rant about the little red hen, and then jumps to talking about something else that's not, not really connected. So there had to be some sort of intent in behind saying this. Now, what is the, what system is he tearing down? Uh, we already talked about. Actually, you know, we already talked about that. He's he's tearing down a biblical uh, societal structure and in particular, biblical economic view, which would be— Capitalism. Capitalism, yeah. Yep. Uh, And we're not talking about crony capitalism. Just for the people that are going to be like, well, capitalism has issues. No, no, no. We're not talking about fake capitalism. (sighs) Right. But what is—what, by nature, because he goes all the way without actually saying it, but when you remove—when you attack uh, the promotion of capitalism here, when you attack the the idea that if you don't work, you don't eat the biblical principle, and when you promote this idea of that it's just it's charity and compassion to give away the fruits of your labor to those who actively refused to participate in in that. Now if we want to overly examine the story, could the the hen have created a system where now the uh, duck and the cat and the dog could work for her and earn some of that bread? Sure. Yeah, they could have, but these aren't. You know these these are animals that. Why is the story so long? It's to show their unwillingness, <laughs> their resistance to. So what what system is that when you take from the producer? and give to the unwilling. Is is there a name for that system?
1: And it's maybe equally spread out, you know? Um, Hmm. It it seems like it's a social thing that's going on here. Maybe socialism? Ooh, that's
0: catchy. Oh. But that's totally... (laughs) Now, here's where I will think that... I don't think... Jared, I have no reason to think that Jared uh is a socialist, at uh, least in the the much more traditional I am a socialist. I think he's bought into these woke ideologies that naturally lend themselves to socialism. So I do think there's an ignorance there, but he's not ignorance sure. in in what he's attacking. He's not he knows what he's attacking. He knows what he's setting up. My opinion on that. He could still just be completely ignorant and wanted to rant about the little red hen because, my goodness, does he really hate the little red hen? I've never seen someone call a a, a bird from a folktale a graceless twit or feel the need to say that. <laughs> what? You, you know, that might be uh,
1: an overreaction right there.
0: I think it's a purposeful overreaction, though. I think he's trying to build up the drama.
1: Yeah, I think that's 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 fair.
0: But so where does he go from here, though, Sam? Like, what does he actually want to talk about? That he used all this drama to build up an emotional preparedness for you to then be open to a different idea. Where is he heading with this? What, what's his what's his end game? What's
1: he aiming at? Well, all of a sudden he starts talking about, you
0: know, Christian married couples. And just to clarify. That he literally. I'm quoting him. (laughs) He finishes talking about the little red hen. And then suddenly one point Christian married couples must continually like it is that jarring of a transition. Yeah, I, I
1: mean, reading it, I actually, my neck is still pretty sore from the whiplash. Um, it, it, it was not a smooth landing uh, in, in this. I mean, it was pretty, pretty uh, bumpy here. But, but he goes and he says, you know, one point Christian married couples must continually relearn is the difference between doing good for their spouse in order to get something in return and doing good for their spouse simply because it's the right thing to do, uh, because it glorifies God. I think lots of, uh, of the stuff out there, uh, on his and her needs, love languages and so on can be helpful, but too often it somehow sets us up to be, uh, y- yinning and yanging each other. Uh, I do this and you do that. And then we will bring balance to the force. I wonder where sin and grace come into play.
0: Like I, that's one of those mm. paragraphs that I well besides the, I've never heard yin yang turned into a, two separate verbs.
1: I, I probably um, wouldn't use it in that context
0: either. Just I, I don't know. He did that's, well. He, that is not what I anyway. We, we, we don't need to get into that. There. But but like ninety percent of that paragraph, I'd agree with maybe even more than ninety percent. But, but but then but then where does what, he try to land
1: though like yeah
0: what how is this connected to what we're just talking about and why does he suddenly jump to like he, he jumps to marriage and he points out that, that yeah in marriage it's not about you know 50% the man 50% the woman we're finding this balance and there's this this give mm-hmm. and take no marriage is selfless it's 100% for your spouse Christ gave himself 100% to his church. His church gives 100% to Christ. It's selflessness. I I think I found the connection, Kyle. (laughs) Um,
1: So so legitimately, I think I found the connection in in his Hmm. worldview. I don't think it's as random as, as what we think, maybe. There is a social compact between a husband and a wife that would necessitate that you would give your spouse food whether or not they were going to give you anything in return, or you would go and meet your spouse's needs uh, whether or not they're going to give you something in return. There's a a social compact. It's more than a social compact. We call it a covenant uh, in in Christianity. That's what it is. It's a covenant within um, a socialist mindset Within that worldview, they believe that there is a social compact for the proletariat to. Um, uh, I, I actually, I think I'm getting these these two mixed up here. The uh, the, the the bourgeois or the bourgeoisie, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, uh, would go and be giving to the proletariat. The the, the haves would be giving to the have-nots, uh, so to say. That there would be a a social Compact there. And so if you, if you just bear with me for a moment here, if you have that kind of a worldview and you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, what's another social compact in in their mind that we can go and, uh, share to prove our point that of course you would go and be giving to that would be. My marriage. goodness. I think did, you're did, right. Did, did I bridge like, the gap there? <laughs> I, 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 I didn't again, think of it I think, until we were just just talking about this.
0: I, on and because where he goes from from here, I think you're right, but again, I don't think that this is something that. I hate that I'm right. If I am, yeah, but again, I don't think this is something that Jared like consciously.
1: No, no, I think it's more of a subconscious forth? worldview thing that's going yeah, on.
0: Yeah, that's weird but it explains way it fits way too much why he jump and then he's going to jump again yeah but but here's the thing we don't have a thesis by which to point back right that would be the connector to everything so hey that's one of the problems if you're writing something build a thesis
1: he it would, actually, this—if this is what he's trying to do, just from a communication standpoint, it really would have been of great benefit for him to have that introduction paragraph, like you're saying, to introduce the the thesis as to what he's going to be building. Like it, and then actually, mm-hmm. it—I—I w- I don't want to say brilliant, but it would actually be logical, not truthful, but logical. It would be logically mm-hmm. consistent. It'd be a
0: linear thought. Yeah, it theoretically he might still be even someone that's a relativist can write an article that's internally objectively consistent. Right. That's the value of thesis. Now they might be, you know, they might be promoting subjectivism in that. uh, Right. And thus it would actually be a self-defeating article because they had to appeal to, You know, they construct the article objectively to defend subjectivism. But the the fact that he sells his books is probably a self-defeating article, but.
1: Anyway, continuing
0: on, where does he go from now? Because I'm I feel like I'm caught up now. Thank you for that, Sam. Uh, But (laughs) where's he taking it now? Like, what's the next what's the next jump? The next uh, leap for him?
1: Well, so after taking it from. The, the social compact uh, of socialism economics to this, the the covenant of marriage he would uh, his worldview or the worldview that he's that he seems to be communicating would be uh mer- would be a social construct there as or compact as opposed to a covenant but the next thing though is that he takes it to salvific grace. W- My which goodness. I don't, I don't really know how you bridge that one. No, I,
0: like, I'm starting to as, it's weird for as much as we prepared for this. <laughs> I like how we're we're starting to. There's something that that happens when you're actually engaging, uh, yeah. where it starts to unlock certain things. So, Sam, I think you're 100 right in your analysis of uh, how he's connecting these things. So you have the, you know, you have the, the socialism, uh, and the social con, uh, compact there, uh, then the marriage, and then he's going to go to, uh, Jesus. And I'd argue he's, he's actually, he's getting the same thing there. Uh, another because, social compact, basically. Well, it'd be a spiritual one. A spiritual compact. Uh, yeah. Rather than a covenant. But in his mind, how he's making the leaps, and this shows his you know, his his kind of woke uh off baseness, terrible wording there. Uh but his, yeah, his he's woke not ideology, <laughs> as the kids would say, uh but it shows through in this his definition of grace, and we'll get to this. But I'm introducing it now. His definition of grace is so far off base that he's replaced it. His definition of grace is almost synonymous with Marxism, to the point I, where actually, Sam, that- I think you, I think you're right. But his connection between these things, what what is wrong with the little red hen? Well, she's a Pharisee. What does he mean by she's a Pharisee? She's a graceless. She's lacking grace. She's a graceless twit. Uh, marriage, where does uh, sin and grace come into play? Uh, this, the, 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 the compact between you and your spouse is one of grace. Uh, what we need to have in society economically is a compact of grace. We need to not be graceless. What is the spiritual grace uh, compact that we need? It's with Jesus. Yeah. Salvation. And let's continue on. And I think that that will start to really reveal itself. We wanted to talk about grace anyway. Uh, but, uh, it, Sam, I'm okay. Take it forward. Cause there's, there's the line, your favorite line in it. Uh, we're about to hit it.
1: Um I I th- I thought my favorite line was the the graceless twit, but um
0: uh, oh, I thought I, your I'm favorite w- line was the uh uh the one liner that you couldn't figure out what what it actually means Oh yes <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> When was the last time you were scandalized by grace I, you, 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 you know. So I I don't even know how to like, like unpack this because w- what he really is trying to to get at is is not just this idea that okay, um, you, you know Jesus died on the cross for us. Hey, we, we we don't deserve that, but Jesus gives us a free gift. So therefore. The the hen should have given bread to people probably because Jesus is the bread of life is what he'd say he would probably you know if he were to really think this through he'd probably come back to that you know it would actually even be sharing the gospel if the hen were to give them
0: are you uh, sure bread. he would have gone to the bread of life he might have gone to well Jesus even Jesus fed the five thousand yeah
1: yeah I I mean, I mean that 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 would that would work too um it, of course to to, to marriage in, in everything like that. But but he comes to this idea of of self of grace and of course self ific grace we understand that it's by grace that we're saved uh, through faith it's not of ourselves it's the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast but but there is a responsibility on on the part of man we do have the uh, the, the the part in in re- responding to God's grace we we have to receive God's grace but as many as received Him to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who 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 believe on His name. Um, you, you know, we, we, we see that kind of an idea. So it's, it, it's not that there's no part in in man, but we do understand that we're not saved by works. We, we understand Mm -hmm. that concept.
0: Well, so, but what's the, what's the, uh, uh, what's the acronym for grace? If you've ever heard this before, because it really gets to the drives to the difference between what we're going to be talking about God's riches at Christ's expense. Right, that's salvific grace. It's it's what right. Christ did. It's right. the but work a, he did that paid. But there's for a term that sin. he's talking about. He
1: he he makes another pivot mm-hmm. from what, what he's talking about in this whole idea of grace. When was the last time you were scandalized by grace? Well, let's just let's just for a moment say that he's being consistent and talking about self salvific grace. I have no idea what it means that grace scandalized me. It, zero idea if you apply that sal- salvationally. I, I, I mean, I, I could make fun of Calvinists right here, probably, with with, with grace scandalizing me like the the hardcore, um, you know, hyper Calvinist. But, but I'm not even going to go there. I don't even think that that really makes sense. I think that I have what? to straw man and, and, that and he's, position. He's
0: using this as like it's, he's not using this salvifically because when was the last time? So it's something that repeats. What, right.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, it, I mean like, like he's, he's clearly not talking about salvation grace. So now it's the idea of how have you been scandalized by grace in your sanctification? And he's not even talking about it with God. He's obviously talking about it in relations to other people.
0: I, I don't, I don't know. Cause again, there's no well, like.
1: There's like nothing in the to sense point of-
0: back to to really understand this. Like, I could see a sense where he's talking about, because the way I'm kind of interpreting, and this is a problem, if you read this article, there's multiple <laughs> times where he's just, it's very obvious he wants to have a one-liner. Uh, and you ever read those articles? It didn't. They didn't do it in this article, but you ever read those articles where the catchy one-liner is set in it, and then they have it in bold underneath that, and they'll yeah. sometimes even have a little button so you can tweet it? Yep. Like yeah. that's there's I, so many points to that. Now I could see him saying something like, When was the last time that you uh well I've actually heard you know something I've heard it put this way, you know, when was the last time you really uh were broken by uh the scandalous nature of the cross? Yeah. And that's kind of the See, see that's how the how, connection I'm, my mind kind of goes to, but I'm not sure what he means. He's not speaking clearly.
1: See, see what, where, where I think he's, he's taking it is back towards the, uh, the, the social compact in, in applying as Christians, we have to apply grace to our social compact. Like he's trying but to yeah, I, th- I think it. functionally that's the outpouring of what he's saying, no matter what. And, and so I think he's basically saying like, to put it in layman's term here, when was the last time you were a doormat for Jesus?
0: Well, and, 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 so, and, and I know and, that's
1: not very nice to, to to say it that way. Like, there, I mean, there's nothing vulgar in what I'm saying, but, but I think that's what he's trying to say. Like, you know, you really need to be a doormat for Jesus. You really need to go give your bread to the duck.
0: Yeah, well, and what's the next line after the the scandalizing comment? Uh, it's when was the last time you pondered how personally discombobulating he just wanted to put discombobulating in there i I mean Uh, i can't blame him that's a cool word it it is a good word i'm not i'm not even uh it's a good word and religiously revolutionary the gospel is the gospel is not religiously revolutionary like christ god is the one that established the religion that we follow, like it couldn't be religiously, regu- I'm not even going to go there, but it, grace covers up screw ups and the things yeah. we screw up. It is not blind to our laziness. And of course, uh. but it is not blind to our laziness, <laughs> of course, but it might but, as, well but be, as well be right it. there. And I think that is the most telling line in this entire article. Because he says, again, it's his him admitting, yeah, 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 no, no, I get what it should be saying, but that it's it's him acknowledging that it's supposed to be about about that, orthodoxy, but then it that,
1: but it shouldn't be orthodox. Y-
0: yeah. So here's the thing: is because we we talked about this beforehand, but I just realized we we were not going to make it as clear as it should be. Because you have, so because you use grace so many different ways, and again, functionally at the end, I think his grace is Marxism is is almost synonymous with Marxism, and that's why the the pattern that you put to it works, is because how he's wielding it. Uh, But and if you can redefine
1: terms, you you can weaponize any ideology, including Christianity. And all all he mm-hmm. needed to do was was use the language of Christianity, but redefine the meaning of grace.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is one of the ways he does that is he never defines which grace. Not even he never defines grace, but he also never right. defines which grace he's talking about. And beforehand, what what did we come up with? We came up with uh we we and this is where we made it alliteration. It too. Yeah. Uh you have salvific grace, uh sanctifying grace. And um, societal. societal grace. So, the, just the general grace that should exist between people, uh, sanctifying grace, the grace that outpours uh, from the life of a Christian, and salvific grace. Now, we're technically using that wrong because if we're going to talk about salvation, there technically be multiple graces within that. And yeah, this is well, not as complicated as it's about to sound. You'll get it pretty quick as soon as I explain this. But you have justifying grace. And that's really what we've been using when we say salvific grace. You have the grace right. of Jesus that took our sins. It paid for our our, our debt to God. And now we it, it's been applied to us when we were saved, the moment of justification. Then you have sanctifying grace, not what is poured out of the life of a Christian, but what is poured into the life of a Christian through the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to have the final grace of glorification. We're going to see Christ face-to-face, and the broken body that we're still in, that is still affected by the fall, it's going to be gone, and we're going to made, be made made whole again, made perfect. Right, and, and, and you know—oh, go for it. Well, I'm just going to say, and that's that right there should show you that when you don't define your terms, it gets complicated. So what do you mean? Which, And that's just within the confines of salvation. And then we've got external and societal, like, define your terms. He doesn't do that, and he uses them interchangeably. Anyway— Back to you. you.
1: You, well, so the passage of scripture when it comes to grace that comes to my mind is Titus two, uh, where it tells us that the grace of God that brings salvation, okay, s- salvific grace. Now, now, and this is where you can tie all the all three kinds of graces that we said together, but we can see how it works. Okay, so the grace of God mm. that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Okay. That that's a societal type grace, a a general grace. It's appearing before men. That doesn't mean all men are saved, but, but it's the appearance there. We're all impacted by the general revelation. Right. You want to put another uh, term to it. And uh, so the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And then it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Grace does something to us. There is a sanctifying nature to that grace. The salvific Mm -hmm. grace that that appears to society comes, and obviously, once you receive that grace, it changes your life so that you're no longer lazy, so that you uh, might learn cooperation, so that you might... um, what, what was the, the the other one that he used there It was uh, work ethic uh, were, were the three that, that he used it, so that you might learn those things in the midst of a society that doesn't, which also means that you're not going to be enabling that society. So ultimately, if we go and we look at the the grace that the Bible teaches, it's actually a small portion of it found in the little red hen which makes Jared Wilson
0: a Pharisee. Yeah, actually, that's very true. Uh, <laughs> and there's also a deep irony here. Uh, well, there's tons of ironies. We, I mean, we pointed out an irony there, but there's if you don't have a correct uh, biblical worldview already, you could easily read this article and come to the conclusion of universalism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because, again, the sloppy use of grace, the sloppy uh, intermixing of it, you go, oh, well, he's saying it's Christian to give to those who reject getting involved, who reject the the, the offer made to them. Which means that Jesus is going to give grace to those who, even those who reject him. Wow,
1: Rob Bell was right. Well, well, and this is, this is a really important point that you brought up, Kyle, because w- if you look at Marxism um, fr- from the historical aspect, okay, so you have Karl Marx who brought forth an economic idea uh, and tried to make a workers' revolution um, in, in, in that kind of an idea. It was It was an economic idea. But then you have Gramsci that comes along, and uh, he makes this a cultural idea. Then. So mm-hmm. then we have cultural Marxism, which is, which is the secular idea of wokeism. That's, that's just, um, that, that's just cultural Marxism. So, yep. uh, w- w- when you look at the idea of black lives matter, things like that, that's cultural Marxism. Um, yep. n- now granted y- this is, isn't necessarily being linear time-wise, but this is just ideologically. If then yeah. you a- yeah. a- apply, uh, uh, apply Marxism, you can apply it to the culture, but then if you apply it to Christianity, and and, and change it, well, what is the the biggest definition or, or the biggest principle in Marxism? Um, the haves need to give to the have-nots, and everybody mm-hmm. is brought into a, on paper, brought into a a equal type playing field uh, of outcomes. Well, what is the equal outcome yeah. spiritually? There's only two options. It's either universally we all go to hell or universally we all go to heaven. And so spiritual Marxism, um, wokeism, um, this whole idea that we're exposing through enemies within the church and wokeopedia, the logical conclusion for the woke within the church is universalism. And that's why you don't hear a lot of them calling anybody to repent to be saved. Repent. Yeah and And you have to change and you have to accept Christ,
0: yeah, if uh if the gospel was equitable, we'd all be going to hell. Luckily, the gospel is not equitable, but there is an equality in the gospel, and that's it's equally given that's right, uh. Oh, oh there's there's something I was going to comment on while you were saying that. Now I'm trying to to remember what that was, but it oh, that that's what it is. Deconstructionism. This mm. is why you hear people, you know, that's a big thing nowadays. It's talking about deconstruction, deconstructing faith, all this stuff. Because wokeness, woke ideologies, this taking cultural marxism, taking marxism and applying it to Christianity creates this tension because it is the issue we pointed out here. Well, if you, you read it through, and if the this grace is equally uh, or is, is equitably applied despite the rejection of people, then universalism. But that's not the case. That's not the message that's preached in the Bible. So you see there's a tension that starts to form in people that starts to tear them apart. It tears them apart internally. And you see the, the end result is what we call deconstruction. Now in right. reality, did they really deconstruct? No, you can't piece by piece lose something. You either have the whole, either have salvation or you don't, you can't remove pieces of it. But, it puts people in this tension where they have to start uh, addressing the contradictions. They have to start addressing the problems, and it leads people out. Yeah, it leads it, people away
1: from Christ. You, you know, Kyle, I think we should do an episode on deconstructionism as well. And, um, I you know, I'm I'm just I'm not very old, but I am old enough to remember when. You know, Resolution 9 came out for the Southern Baptist Convention. They said, you know, it's, it's just a useful analytical tool, critical race theory. And, uh, you, you know, they, they wanted to bring yeah. up the whole idea of criticizing something um, and saying that we're not actually doing that. We're just using it as an analytical tool. And then, you know, a few months later, deconstructionism. Uh, became a major thing, deconstructing your faith, which of course criticizing and deconstructing are basically the same thing. But I think we should do a whole, um, I
0: think we should do a podcast on that. What do you think? Yeah, we, that's definitely something that we should talk about because it's a phenomenon. It's It it's, It in and of itself is not wokeness, but wokeness produces deconstruction.
1: Yeah. And let me throw this out here too. If you're somebody who's teaching deconstruction, in uh, encouraging people to deconstruct your faith and you're listening to this, maybe you're doing some opposition research or something like that, contact us at contact Wikipedia because we'd love to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you about it uh, and, and actually discuss ideas. I, I know it's difficult for people to want to exchange ideas, but I would love to do that. And I'm sure Kyle would as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah. you, you know, let us, know. in fact, I, I don't know if this would necessarily be the the podcast platform that we would want to bring it on to, but I, I mean, I don't think either one of us would have an issue having a public discussion, uh, on no, that no. kind of a thing. We're
0: not all. afraid. I mean, you know, I know people probably assume that, but we're not afraid of engaging with, uh, these ideologies. We're confident in saying that they're errors, but we're not afraid of engage engagement. And we right. do reach out to people that we disagree with. Right. You know, we don't just accuse. We do also reach out. Uh, but on that note, where do they contact us, Sam? You know, how do they contact us? Whether they're someone, you know, that we just talked about that's that's uh, ideologically opposed to us, or there's someone that wants to get in contact with us for some other reason. Where do they go?
1: Yeah. Well, you can call us. Just kidding. You can go ahead and email us at uh, contactwokipedia at gmail.com. Once again, that's contactwokipedia at gmail.com. And and of course, go over to enemieswithinthechurch.com, and you can find all of our stuff on Wikipedia. In fact, don't we have a a
0: new URL? Yeah, we do. We we, we should promote that. You say that, and then I don't know the URL URL off the top of my head. I think if I remember right, it's Wikipedia. Because fun fact, someone owns the URL wokipedia.com. It does, there's no website attached to it. They just own it and they will not sell it. Uh, yeah. But com. You can also just go to enemieswithinthechurch.com and click on Wikipedia at the top. Or the link is down in the description of this, whether you're on YouTube rumble spotify itunes amazon uh google podcast platforms i didn't know existed until i saw them pop up in analytics it's gonna be down there i'm not joking like i learned there's so many pod- podcast podcasts there's a loss it, it makes really me are. wonder
1: if people listen to them on like a lot of those random ones but th- th- that's
0: a discussion for another day uh How do we want to end it today? How do we want to end it? Uh, Oh, man, I I thought about just doing a joke of we we pretend like we can't have an ending and I just do a hard cut. But no, uh, let us know. Contact us. Contact Wikipedia at gmail.com. Let us know what's been useful. Let us know what needs to be improved. Let us know if you're someone that just agrees. Uh, We're down for engagement. We want to uh, improve the, the content. We want to make things clearer. We want to make things better. Uh, so contact us, but until next week, oh, I, I did realize one problem is, uh, we have your outro where you do keep standing for the truth and then we have the don't go woke. Uh, so I, I was almost gonna stumble over myself, not sure what to say, but don't go woke. be like welcome to the wikipedia podcast i'm the nerd bringing the word and joining me today is my co-host with the most full of the holy ghost sam jones